This the remix. Uh, no, look, you know, like I said, whether it's confidence once the puck goes in or, or actually giving it time to heal, uh, you know, now I, I feel great. I feel 100%. A couple things that might last for a while, but it, I don't think about it at all in the ice anymore. And, and like I said, whether that's the science behind it or just me being a head case, who knows? <laughs> Whacking that thing around. I did, but it was almost too close. I couldn't really see what I had available, and I saw Jack on the weak side, so I just tried to create something a little more. Uh, yeah, against Miami of Ohio uh, in the second game of our back-to-back -back my freshman year. <laughs> yeah. It was the same shot, just on the other side. Look it up, it's pretty, it pretty funny to see. <laughs> No, like I was going to bump it back to Ike's and then uh, I figured if I threw it, you know, on that angle, if I missed the net, then it would go, it would change sides and that's often what we're trying to do is change sides and in the ozone and, and it, uh, it's a fast play. So if everyone's coming towards me, it'd be a good opportunity. If it doesn't go in to at least go uh, out to the weak side D, but uh, you still get lucky when a shot like that goes in. Step back one-legged. What kind of shot is that? Have you ever shot that shot? Do you work on that shot? Wait. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. I now know his nickname. What? Ikes. Ikes. Oh, good I, point. I didn't know that. I, I didn't, didn't either. That. We I asked no that idea. last week. Ikeley? What is his nickname? Ikeley? No. Ikes. It's Ikes. Ikes. There, okay, there's a lot to take away from that rejoin. We do know his nickname is Ikes, which... I guess it's better know than, that. than just adding an EY and R on yeah, the Yeah, that end. would be stupid. Um, <laughs> one, I do want to say the Patrick Ewing sound Jared played at the end is one of my all-time favorite college basketball <laughs> coach sounds where he's yelling at a player, you don't practice that. <laughs> you don't shoot that. Why did you just shoot it in a game? It's phenomenal sound. I love it so much. What's more impressive, though, that Max Pacioretty scored from the wall, right, a place where nobody should ever score from, or that he remembered the last time he did it in college? Uh, because it's so rare, I would say him scoring from the wall. Because guys remember everything. Like, baseball players can tell you their first hit, or football players can tell you their first catch, or how many yards they had. So, if he's only done it twice, <laughs> okay, but, then I would think it's not that impressive that he remembered the first time. He, But he also set it up of, well, I mean, it could go in, so I tried it. But here's what I was thinking yes. could also happen. <laughs> so... Uh, that's why I played the you work on that shot. Apparently, Max Pacioretty's like, all right, I'm going to take some shots from the wall over here. <laughs> but not try to score. He's trying to I hit mean, it off yeah, the no, wall side D. and get it around. Maybe, maybe score. Yeah. But if it doesn't, I've got some other things planned. There's a good there's a good backup plan if this doesn't go in the net. The other piece of sound I played that we need to talk about is him calling himself a head case and him laughing for like, I cut that short. He was laughing at his own calling himself a head case into the next reporter's question <laughs> to the point where I was like, if I kept it at the length where he's still laughing at his own joke, you would hear someone randomly going, yeah, you guys got four days off coming up in the next still laughing. Just laugh through it. Also, Max Pacioretty's answer there. Um, I think gives more credence to my argument at 7 a.m. that Jack Eichel's first goal doesn't actually count because it came against the Sharks. <laughs> and because 
Remember, Max Pacioretty has scored that goal twice in his career, but by career, we mean college. Yeah, we mean way, way back. So Jack Eichel's goal was not an NHL-level goal. That was a AHL or maybe college-level goal because that's the only other time that that goal's gone so in. So the most Pacioretty. impressive thing about Jack Eichel is when he swung around the ice in terms of just continuing to keep the puck and find Chandler Stevenson. It's not just actually finishing the, the feed from Chandler Stevenson. Listen, uh, I'm thinking but that... But it's the Sharks. I'm thinking that any college player could have done that. Against the Sharks. Against that Sharks team. We just got out. We just got uh, Max Pacioretty telling us, "Hey, only only college goalies give up that one." So well, only college goalies give well, up that yeah, goal okay. to Jack Eichel. Did he say? What did he say? Who did he say? Miami of Ohio. Yeah, he was playing uh, he against. Was, my, yeah, he was playing against, against Miami, Miami of Ohio, Ohio, the second of a back to back. Like <laughs> <laughs> he knew exactly where that goal yes. came from. I mean, also on the Eichel goal, the fact that they asked Stevenson. Did you try to shoot it? Did you think about shooting it? And he went, yeah. <laughs> but I sort of, instead, just sort of. I found, I found Ikes. Yeah. I saw Ikes. I saw Ikes there. I was just like, eh. All right. We'll get it in. All right, let's get some hot takes in. Here's a hot take for you. I see it coming. Alex Petrangelo's contract is already bad for the Golden Knights. 32 years old. By the way, is it eight years? Uh, he has five more seasons Ooh. after this one. We should so, put him at 37 to 8.8 right. 8 a year. So $8.8 million a year. Alex Petrangelo is the seventh highest uh, by cap hit, seventh highest paid defenseman in the NHL. He is 32. Uh, here's why. The Athletic, they did a story where they ranked every NHL team's mm-hmm. top defensive pairing simply by goal differential, right? When you're on the ice, when your top defensive pair right. is on the ice... Does your team score more goals or give up, or more, give up goals? more goals? The Golden Knights came in at 20th. Zero. Exactly even, right? When Petrangelo has been on the ice with Nick Haig, that's a key point there, Right, they're at zero. That's part of the context. Alec Martinez would be his defense partner if Alec Martinez were healthy, right? It's been Nick Haig a lot. He's played a lot more with Nick Haig, played a lot more with a worse player. So that is some important context to add there. But there's still zero. And if you go through it, it's not, if you go through the analytics, it's not bad luck. The expected goals rate when Petrangelo's on the ice for Vegas this year is 50.5%, which is just slightly better than average, right? 50% is average. So the Golden Knights this season, when Petrangelo has been on the ice, they're expected and they do give up as many goals as they actually score themselves. Now, when Alec Martinez comes back, They'll presumably be better, right? Martinez and Petrangelo is presumably better. But the line in the story of the athletic growth that jumped out to me was this. Petrangelo might not be an elite Norris caliber number one defender anymore. But he's still a workhorse and has been put in a tough spot. He's 32 years old. $8.8 million a year for the next five seasons, right? If he's not already, and if he's not an elite Norris caliber defenseman right now. What's he going to be in two to three seasons? What's he going to be in five seasons, right? Are we looking at an average NHL defenseman making $8.8 million? And he's got a no movement clause. So the Golden Knights can't just trade him at some point. Petrangelo has to okay it. But here's the thing. All of that was a known risk for the Golden Knights when they signed him, right? They signed Petrangelo when he was, what, 30 years old for a a long-term deal. And 
the reason it was okay, the reason it was an acceptable risk is because the Golden Knights window to win a Stanley Cup is, is right now, right? right? It right. was the, the first years with Petrangelo. Right. It's right now. It'll be the next couple of years. Yeah, we'll see how long they can prolong it. But then this year, next year, and the following year should all be Stanley Cup window years for the Golden Knights. And that's that's fine. You chase the Stanley Cup when you can. And if you've got to eat a bad contract, right? If they've got to eat three years of Alec, Mar- or Alec Petrangelo when... They're not actually any good anymore. That's fine. If you go win the Stanley Cup, who cares? That's you're good to go. But right now, the two things I can't get over are a somebody from the athletic writing. Well, he's not a number one defenseman anymore, right? He's not a top 10 guy. He's not a Norris caliber defenseman anymore. And B them being a net zero. How much you put, the, how much you put on Hague on that? So that's a good point. But uh, Alex Petrangelo should be elevating anybody he plays with. True. He like they they acquired him not to be a guy who needs Alec Martinez to prop him up. They acquired him to prop everybody else up. They acquired him to be the number one defenseman. And if he's not that anymore, if he's not that right now, a that's a problem for this season, right? And next season and the following season when they should be playing for the Stanley Cup because the Golden Knights went and got him because they said we need a number one uh, top five defenseman, top 10 defenseman. He's not that anymore. If he's not that now in the next three, that's brutal, right? That hurts their chances to win because how do you, you know, you're paying this guy $8.8 million. And if he doesn't perform to that level, if you put him on the ice and he's one of the 10 highest paid defensemen in the league and every time you put him on the ice, well, 50-50, we're better than the other team. That's not good enough. They need him to be much better. Yes, Martinez coming back makes a difference, but like, what if it makes? What, does your mind change if it makes like an exponential difference? Like all of a sudden they come back and they're not yes. 50 50, they're in oh, there like 70 percent. Absolutely. Like, oh, wow. But then the Hager. Right. Well, yes, absolutely. <laughs> the Hague bomber. <laughs> but I think that'll tell us more about Hague and Martinez than the Trangelo. Right. If that happens, if they bring him back and all of a sudden they're great, they're scoring seven out of every 10 goals with, like, them, on with, the them, with them on the ice. I think we're looking around saying, should Alec Martinez be making eight point eight million a year <laughs> instead are of they, five or are whatever they he makes? the right one? Like, I think that'll say a lot more about Martinez and Hague than Petrangelo, but it it will. Like, listen, Alec Martinez comes back if they have a twenty game stretch to end the year where this is the best defensive pair in hockey. Great, then right. you're fine. You're good to go. Right, no worries about it. Unless Alec Martinez gets hurt in the playoffs, and then all of a sudden, uh oh, you got to play oh, with no, Nick Hague again. again. Right, but. As it stands right now, Alex Petrangelo has not been what they paid for. He's been, he's still good. He's not a bad defenseman, but he's he what plays they a lot for. of minutes. Right, he does. He they they he, they, they, they keep that guy out there the all freaking night. Does not come off the ice, which is uh, probably not ideal in the regular season. Like in the postseason, go for it. Right, like him and Shea Theodore. One of them should probably be on the ice the entirety of the postseason. Although Shea Theodore hasn't been that good this year either. Which the other fun part of this is the Golden Knights. They kind of thought they were locking themselves into two top 15, maybe top 10 defensemen for like a five-year stretch. They probably have zero right now. Like this year, they oh, have zero. Oh, top 10 defensemen? Yeah. yeah. Like Shea Theodore hasn't been good right. this year. Like this has not been a good Shea Theodore season. And even against the Sharks, he didn't play particularly well against it. He took, what, two penalties in mm-hmm. that game too? Like he did not play particularly well in that game either. So it's uh, – they – they need those two, and it's the same. It's the same context we viewed this entire season. The postseason is is what matters, right? Robin Leonard can suck in the regular season. 
Well, he better be good. Not, he better be he good after be that. He needs, to, he needs to be on the ice. If he's great in the postseason, we do not. We won't even remember if right. he was bad in the regular right. season. The same goes for Petrangelo and Shea Theodore, right? Yeah, you can kind of suck, right? You can be a, a goal differential of zero when you're on the ice for the entire regular season. If you're awesome in the playoffs, if you shut down Nathan McKinnon or whatever in the Western None Conference Finals, we'll look back and say, who, right. who cares what you did in 82 games? Because this team is winning the Stanley Cup. So... You ask if, if you know, getting Martinez back and they suddenly become great changes that I think more importantly, if it changes in the postseason, that's when we start. That's when it doesn't matter. Right. If all this happens in the right, if the postseason, right, if they play three playoff series and Petrangelo's on the ice and they're a zero goal differential when he's out there, that can be a bit of a problem because you need to outscore the opponent when your best players are on the ice and he should be one of the two or three best players. And he had a terrible uh, non-goal in the NHL shootout breakaway challenge, which... <laughs> He didn't score and he won. Ridiculous. (laughs) Coming up next, it's Bischoff's Briefs. I got more hot takes for you. But first, you want to go to the Mountain West Tournament? We got a four-pack of tickets to the men's semifinals on Friday, March 11th. So if you want to go to the Mountain West Tournament semifinals on March 11th, we got tickets for you right now. 702-364-1100. We'll take caller number seven at 702-364-1100. You'll win four tickets to the Mountain West semifinals. Bischoff's Briefs. How was the game? Not very good. Have you ever seen a good hockey game? No, me neither. I love sports. I just can't get next to hockey. Bischoff's Briefs. See, I think Americans like to savor situations. One down, bottom of the ninth. One run game, first and third. Left-handed batter, right-hand reliever. Infield, a double play depth. Here's the pitch. Bischoff's Briefs. What's going on in hockey? It seems to come out of nowhere. The play-by-play guy is always shocked. Le Pettier. Passes to Huckenchuck, who skates past the blue line. Huckenchuck, of course, was traded from Winnipeg for a case of Labatt's after sitting out last season with, oh my God, he scores! Bischoff's Briefs. Congratulations to Matt. He won tickets to the Mountain West Tournament coming up in a couple of weeks at the Thomas and Mac. UNLV plays Nevada tonight, 8 o'clock. You can hear it right here on ESPN Las Vegas. And you can come out and watch the game with me. I'll be at PT's Pub on Trop and Maryland, right by UNLV, for the game tonight. Come watch it. There'll be uh, Miller Lite pitchers for $10. bucks. Uh, you can get entered to win Miller Lite for a year or a staycation at the Stratosphere. And we'll have lots of other giveaways, tickets, T-shirts, whatever we got. We'll give it away. So come on out, PT's Pub, Trop and Maryland. Now, I'm excited about this, Ed. I'm going to put UNLV in the NCAA oh, tournament here we go. as an at-large team. Obviously, if they win the Mountain West tournament, here we go. They're in, but this is how they get in as an at-large team ever. Here we go. Four games left in the regular season. Win out, they would be twenty and eleven. <laughs> that would include road wins over Boise State and Wyoming. Add those to their two wins over Colorado State and one against Fresno State, and you are looking at four, maybe five quad one wins. Okay, let me stop you the, the right okay. there. Wyoming's here. Good point. It'd still be a quad one still win. Still be a quad one win. Should be. Well, it depends on where they finish, but okay. it should still be a quad one win because why as long as Wyoming doesn't also lose the rest of their games, good chance right. it's still a quad one game. Right. So four, maybe five quad one wins for UNLV. And probably gives them a twenty, maybe thirty po- uh, spot boost in like Ken Palm. 
and the net rankings. Just if they were to if they were to win out and include those two wins, right? All of a sudden you're looking at wins over Boise and Wyoming. Both of those are at home, by the way. That's two great wins for you. Plus True. winning at Nevada, winning at New Mexico. Not that those are great wins, but road wins against okay opponents. They're not the bottom of the barrel are going to help you out a little bit too. So you could conceivably see UNLV who right now is ranked 83rd in Ken Palm in the, the 60s? low 60s. If they, if they blew a bunch of teams out, maybe even higher than that, right? That's where you could conceivably see them. Now that gets you to 12 and six in mountain West play. They're still probably in the four five matchup in that scenario. Yes. Maybe they jump to the three, three six, but most likely they're in the four five matchup, which would give them a, f- a first game against right now. Most likely, it's either San Diego State or Colorado State. Again, well, we know who they want. <laughs> another chance at a quad one win. Yes, right now. Granted, if they beat Colorado State again, Colorado State might no longer be a quad <laughs> one win. But another chance at a quad one win. At the very worst, a quad two win. Then you would get a semi matchup with the number one seed, which right now is either Boise State or Wyoming. Wyoming. Right, one of those two. Which again, another potential quad one win. And then you get to the Mountain West Tournament Championship game. Now, obviously, if you win that, you're in. This is how to get UNLV in as an at-large. So they're losing that game. We're giving them another quad one loss. But what that does, that would give UNLV seven quad one wins, potential quad one wins. Maybe some of those slide to quad two. But that gives UNLV seven legitimately good wins on the season. And you might be top 60 in net rankings, in Ken Palm, right? Again, you're still not in great shape, but that is a legitimate bubble resume. That is a legit reason to think UNLV could make the NCAA tournament with that resume. And let me give you these numbers, Ed. Right now, Joe Lenardi just put out his uh, most recent bracketology. Just put it out. Rutgers is a 10 seed in the NCAA tournament right now. Rutgers is ranked 11 spots higher in Ken Palm than UNLV. Only 11. Right now, Rutgers is only ranked uh, 11 spots higher in net ranking than UNLV as well. Rutgers does not have good underlying analytics. They've got great wins. They already have six quad one wins. But Rutgers does not have great underlying analytics. Joe Lenardi, if you look at like his first four and next four out, St. Bonaventure's on there. St. Bonaventure is seven spots ahead of UNLV and Ken Palm right now. Five spots ahead of them in the net ranking. Oregon is on there. Oregon is 12 spots ahead of UNLV and Ken Palm right now. There are teams that are on the bubble that do not have significantly better rankings than UNLV. So if UNLV, and again, this is winning out until the Mountain West Tournament Championship. That is very unlikely. But if they did it, they would have a legitimate bubble resume. I don't think they'd get in, but they'd have a legitimate resume to actually to actually make you pay attention on Selection Sunday because they would be in the mix. I got this for you. Someone sent me this the other day. You can probably guess who. Team A. You ready for Team A? 34 Ken Palm, 42 net, 2 and 5 quad 1, no quad 3 or quad 4 losses. Decent resume. Team B. 48 Ken Palm, 45 net, 0 and 7 against quad 1 with a quad 3 loss. Which one should go? Is one of those a Mountain West team? Yes. The first one you said that actually has a quad right. one win should go. Right. right. That's San Diego State. Number oh. two, who Lenardi has had in the, uh, most of the time, is North Carolina. They're in. Oh, they just had a bad loss, too. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I, I'm, 
I'd love to it happen for UNLV just to see where they could rise up and if they could be on the bubble. I just don't think they'd ever get in. I do not think that would be enough. Um, now, two, I have two points for you. One, the reason that this is possible right now is because the Mountain West is actually good at the moment. Mm-hmm. Like, UNLV didn't beat a single team worth noting in the non-conference, but they could have legitimately seven good resume wins Granted, this is, again, winning out to unlikely. But if they did, they could legitimately have seven good resume wins just built on conference play. And this is, like, when we talk about power conferences, this is what power conferences can do. You're going to get 9, 10, 11 good wins if you play in the Big 12, right? Because when you beat teams, it's always a good win. That doesn't usually happen in the Mountain West. But this year, the Mountain West has been good enough that, yeah, if you win at Fresno State, that's a quad one win, yes. right? If you win at Wyoming or at Colorado State or those whatever. quad one wins. If you beat some of those teams at home, it's still a quad one win. That's different from in years past where you can actually build a resume in conference play. And that's the importance of the Mountain West being good in the future is, yeah, you can rack up these quality wins. And UNLV can make a huge jump where they're in the 82nd in Ken Palm right now. The other point here, UNLV had five losses in the non-conference to five good teams. Michigan, Wichita State, UCLA, San Francisco, and SMU. They win two of those. We are having an actual conversation about this team being on the bubble. They lost to Wichita State by one at the the foul there. And then they got blown out in the other ones for the most part. But let's say they beat Wichita State, who's a bubble team themselves. And let's just say they they go to San Francisco or SMU and just win one of those. We're we're having, right now, we're having a legitimate conversation about this team finding its way to the bubble. They'd still be on the outside, but that'd be a conversation if they had won two of those five. Nothing means anything other than this. The four or five games at 2.30 in the afternoon. <laughs> Who's excited? If I they, don't care if about they, anything if they get other the than that they're in the four or five game. I think if they get the four or five, their times are 2.30 in the afternoon. It's 2.30 and then... No, it's 2.30 and then the semis is 6 and 8.30. They're at 6. And then the, fi- and the championship the is finals like one or two. So, three, yeah, yeah. Terrible for fans from the people that cover the game. Oh, yes, beautiful. please. The yes, please. We'll the take the and the three. And the three. We'll take it every time. Coming up next, hopefully Shang Pang answers the phone. Now a collision. Cogliano gets it out in front. They score. Benito finishes after what looked to have been interference. Play continues for San Jose. They're on the board and now trail three to one. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Joining us now is Shang Peng. And Shang, hold on, we've got a lot to get to with Shang Peng. A lot has happened. But first off, you know you don't have to apologize like 16 times to us, right? <laughs> hey, I feel bad for missing appearance, but I appreciate how... how welcoming and hospitable you guys still are to me, even playing the Sharks lone goal from the last game before my appearance. That's so nice. That was hard to find, I'm sure. Okay. Second important thing to get to. uh, Are you still trapped at SAP Center because of a bomb threat? (laughs) No, no, no. I uh, got out of pretty uh, pretty quickly. I actually didn't really realize it until... I usually stay late after the game anyway, but uh, we uh, all got out uh, three hours or so after the game ended. But yeah, there was a uh, there was a bomb scare. I guess there was a, something suspicious in, in the lock. They have an outdoor locker rooms that they are outside lockers uh, in SA an SAP center, and uh, my car happened to be ten cars away from it. So just my luck, uh, I was uh, stuck there for a little while. Right in front. 
Of As course. usual, front row. <laughs> You're right in front. Champagne, right in front, <laughs> so, just like in the playoffs. Yeah, I was there early, actually. So, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Ed, did you see the crowd? There's no, there's nobody else. There's only one row of parking needed at the SAP. Chang is right in front. Now. Yeah. So. Third, third important <laughs> question. Did you have any idea who the kid was that blew the tire and then got waved? Uh oh, oh yes, yes, Peterson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I <didn't know> <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's the one who crashed into yes. into into Reimer and uh and actually yeah, like that that might have been his first goal this season because uh, Wayne Peterson had zero goals in twenty six games. So uh he's going down to to, to work on things. So. Can can you confirm that he got waived because he tripped and took out his own goalie? <laughs> yes, I'm pretty sure that that, okay. that, that was why. Yes. Not zero goals and two assists in 26 games. <laughs> it is, okay. How are the Sharks so bad? Because, like, Jack Eichel scored his first goal, and I'm sitting here today saying, I don't know if that should count as his first Golden Knights goal because it came against the Sharks. <laughs> well, that's rough. Well, the Sharks are in the middle of a six-game uh, losing streak, so that is tough. But I will say, though, that uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, kind of defend them right here. Uh, before the All-Star break, they had played Carolina, Florida, and Tampa Bay. They lost all three games, but they were – very competitive in all of them, and they went to overtime twice. So they were actually playing some pretty good hockey going into uh, their all-star break. But since then, though, it has been a little bit of a disaster for them. They got jumped by Edmonton right out the all-star break, looked, you know, listless and flat. And they played better against Vancouver and Vegas. But, you know, Vegas, you know, definitely didn't feel like Vegas was necessarily throwing their best at them all games. So. They got jumped by Edmonton. Oh, that's the other thing. Why does Evander Kane not like you? What'd you do to him? <laughs> <laughs> because I write stories about things he does. <laughs> yeah, wh- why is he mad about that? Does he does he not think people are going to write stories about him? Well, uh, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not really sure what 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 he expects. That's a that's a good question. Uh, and I do uh, remind my readers that he has multiple accusations, and I'll remind your listeners too. Uh, going back to Buffalo and Winnipeg uh, with uh, multiple women, it's not just the locker room thing. And so, um, yeah. So it's it's with with him. It's. Uh, you know, a different day, different story, and so I, I write it. So I'm not really quite sure what he what he expects, but um, yeah, um, you know, uh, the, I, I, I get a huge bump in clicks, though, so I guess I can't argue with that. <laughs> you, you had to feel good, though, because all these guys, I don't read, I don't listen, I don't pay attention. Sure you do. Nobody believes any of that. He obviously pays yeah. attention. He <laughs> called you by your first name. I mean, if I'm you, I'm like, hey, this guy's reading me. Well, I mean, it's, it's free advertising, I and mean, that's why that's why I put it up on Twitter. I mean, look, like you know, you don't really want to get into these kind of things with players. I, mean, I don't want to, at least. Um, but I mean, if if he's going to put it out there, and I think I do think my my coverage of him has been fair. I mentioned things that you know, hey, he's alleged. You know, nothing uh, necessarily confirmed, but you know, it's been alleged, and there's multiple allegations, and I, and I mentioned them. And I'm not saying that he he did exactly those those everything that's been 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 alleged, but um, there's a lot of allegations out there. <laughs> Were you surprised at all that the NHL basically came in and said no punishment, and they didn't do anything wrong uh, with his uh, potential second COVID violation with the Sharks? No, no, because you know my, my understanding of that was that they what what they were investigating wasn't uh, it was just exactly whether or not he crossed the border illegally. And so they found that that, that he did not. That's what I understand. At least that's that's what I've heard. And so if so that's that's the thing that they were most worried about. That um, <clears throat> you know, that he, 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 I guess, you know, this this is me kind of speculating here, but you know, if he had been positive and he kind of faked his way into Canada, <laughs> right? Then 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 that's the kind of thing that they were looking at. But the other questions here, though, are just for example, like, well, what was he even doing in 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 Vancouver because he had COVID 
and he was supposed to be using the AHL. He was on a 10-day at the time. It was a 10-day protocol. And so he left that early. And so those are things that the NHL didn't really look at. That's, that's more of, a, you know, I think a shark's concern. And, and the reason why the, the grounds of the Greek or the grounds of the termination, you know, that's, those are their grounds. And, you know, that's what Evander Kane is uh, grieving. Um, but again, specifically what the NHL investigated, uh, from my understanding, was just whether or not the, uh, the travel in Canada was illegal. Why would the NHL not care about him vo- violating COVID protocols? They they do care, uh, and that's why that's why uh, they uh, you know the, the sharks uh, uh, you know went to them in terms of when they were uh, intending to terminate Evander Kane, and they got the NHL sort of uh, sign off on it, and the NHL wouldn't have signed off on it if they did not think that the sharks had at least you know so the way that Bill Bailey put it was an adequate case, and so that's part of their case. Um, but in terms of suspending him, though. Um, you know, I'm not sure exactly, you know, because he was in the NHL at the time, so that could be one of the reasons why the NHL uh, isn't, isn't bothering with that. The, the, the other thing I mentioned about him, you know, he needing to stay in quarantine, well, he was in the NHL at the time, so that might be why. But, again, though, yeah, the, the, what they investigated was different. Than, or just one, I guess another way to put it is it was a one part of a kind of a larger kind of, uh, uh, larger breaking of different protocol, of uh, potential alleged uh, breaking of protocol rules. All right, so you said you didn't think the Golden Knights threw everything at them. Obviously, they still have injuries. Uh, you know that team. If, if big if, everyone comes back and is fine, do you consider them a Stanley Cup contender? Well, I don't know. Is, is Mark Stanley ready by the first, first day of the playoffs? I'm not sure, guys. Uh, let's say he is. <laughs> I mean, that, you know, that, 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 you know. <laughs> that was the best thing from Kelly McCrimmon. I mean, it is impossible to say if um, Mark Stanley will be ready, when he'll be ready. Yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, but yes, I do consider them uh, contenders. Uh, uh, you know, you have to assume, of course, that uh, Eichel, you know, gets into, you know, coming back from the surgery he came back from, uh, that no hockey player has really ever uh, undergone. Um, you know, will he be the same player? But we'll assume that he is. And, and you know, you assume that Mark Stone will come back uh, right and healthy. And <laughs> they get uh, Robin Leonard and the ready. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, all the pieces are there kind of, right? Like, obviously, I know this season has been kind of bumpy for them and they haven't, had a chance to really put it all together, but um, that, you know if they, if they if they start to get rolling near the end of the playoffs, are playing better, and then they get they get they get fully healthy by the playoffs, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think I think they're, they're up there in, in talent. You know, let's not forget uh, you know Colorado, even though they're you know smoking teams right now. Colorado lost a lot of people last year, um, so I don't I don't know if uh, they're quite as strong. You know, they lost uh, they went from uh, Grubauer to to uh, Kemper. Which hasn't, you know, been necessarily the smoothest transition either, and so yeah, so I, I think I think it'll be right up there. So Tampa uses long-term IR to navigate the salary cap. Last year uh-huh. wins the Stanley Cup. The Golden Knights are probably doing the same thing right now. Do you think the NHL should put any changes in to stop teams from doing this? You know, I, I honestly don't think so. I find all this creative stuff that they figure out fun, <laughs> but that's just me. Maybe because you know I'm covering a, a team that hasn't seen the playoffs, you know, in quite a while, so it doesn't really it's not really relevant to me. So I just sort of enjoy watching the chaos from the outside. But you know, I figure that you know if they let Tampa do it, if, they, if they're letting Vegas do it, like why not just let teams do it until the next kind of CBA whatever talks? Then figure it out. Then you know, if you want to, you want to you know close up these loopholes then do it then, uh, but uh, don't, like, overreact because, you know, <clears throat> teams sort of, 
outsmarted you right here, you know? <laughs> well, I, I don't and, think and, even with the yeah, new but, CBA they would change it because I think all 32 would say, you know what, one day we might be in that position. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so anyway, I, I personally I do enjoy this sort of uh, back and forth. Every time there's a new CBA and teams forget out a loophole, it's, it's like watching, it's like a, you know, uh, watching Batman and Joker, you know, superhero villain. It's always fun to, to watch <laughs> what the other side does, and it's always interesting. And that's how it stays fresh after, you know, so many years, you know, uh, because there's always this new loophole they can exploit. <laughs> uh, we've so seen, I, I don't mind it. We've seen the Golden Knights. Uh, they've sent guys up and down from the minors to try to save daily cap and everything. Is there who's better than the Golden Knights and George McPhee at, at uh, saving salary cap space or navigating the salary cap? Is anybody better than him? Tampa Bay. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> is that is that the list? Tampa and Vegas. Is there anybody else I need to keep an eye on for doing fun stuff? Uh, let me see. Uh, no, not that I can think of on the top of my head. But like I said, uh, I've been uh, covering team that uh, you know some people were like, oh, but should, you know the Sharks have never done anything like that. But I'm like, well, the Sharks haven't been good enough. <laughs> you know, they they would love to put Eric Carlson on LTIR and then spring them out in the playoffs after they made the playoffs and be like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're good enough to sit $11 million a year on, on you know, on, on, uh, on LPIR. You know, if we're good enough to, to sit, you know, to afford to sit a player of Stone's caliber or Kucherov's caliber and still make the playoffs and have them ready to rock, I mean, more power to you. All right, Shang. He's Shang Pang. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, I Shane. appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, oh, but, oh I, I, I forgot to do this every time. It's San Jose Hockey Now. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. Shang Pang from San Jose Hockey now. Thank you, Shang. Thank you. <laughs> Front row parking for Shang. Well, there's nobody at the games. I, there's seven it, it, people It could there. be sold out, and they'd say it's Shang, oh, yeah. but move out of the way. But it was a bad thing for him because he had a bomb scare. There was a bomb scare, and he <laughs> couldn't leave. He wanted to be in the back of the parking lot. He couldn't leave because his car was too close to the arena. <laughs> It's like, yeah, you can't get in your car yet. You're going to have to stick around here. That was probably that was like the funniest thing to me. Well, eh, it's probably shouldn't say funny, but like, the game has been over for like two plus hours, and I just see the a gold lights are on their plane. Yeah, I just see a tweet from Shang Peng. Still at SAP Center, my <laughs> car is near a bomb scare. <laughs> well, also, you're gonna blow something up. You're gonna blow up the SAP Center. There's no one there. Yeah, there's 17 people in it. You, <laughs> that's not a, that's not a bomb scare. That's a controlled demolition. <laughs> it's a very. It maybe is a very targeted attack at Shang. Like we know Shang <laughs> no. is gonna be there. We know he's. So he's parking in front. So it's a very targeted Shang Peng attack. It's yeah, but that was, you know, three hours after the game, Shang Peng still at SAP Center because of a bomb scare. And what did he say? A locker outside the arena? What is yeah. that like for fans? Can you like buy a locker and put your put, stuff put in a, it? Like they have a bag rule. You can't take in certain size bags, but it you might can be go it. pay a dollar or whatever. And with a little orange key. Yeah. And then put go the quarters get quarters in. I guess. Bomb scare. All right. We've got. Here's a fun giveaway. You're going to get Porta Subs. You're going to get a two foot sub from Porta Subs. And you're going to be qualified to win two tickets to the Academy of Country Music Awards, which is going to be here in Vegas, March 7th at Allegiant Stadium. So, two things you get the two foot sub from Porta Subs, and you're qualified to win tickets to the Academy of Country Music Awards, March 7th at Allegiant Stadium. So, if you want to go to the ACMs and get a Porta Sub sandwich, 702-364-1100 is the phone number. 702-364-1100. We'll take caller number 11 at 702-364-1100. That's typical of our country right now. You know, instead of solving the problem, let's make an excuse and let's see if we can uh, just, instead of confronting and demanding that it changes, let's eliminate it 
so that we don't have those problems, let's 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 try to do that. That's that's perfect us right now. That's not perfect me. That's not happening here. So if some team doesn't want to shake hands, you're going to see 15 of my guys walk down and shake air. We're going to shake air, and I'm going to shake air, and then we're going to leave. You're locked in the press box. Handshake hot takes from Tom Izzo. Oh, it's great. Because, okay, I, I have a hot take on both sides. One, handshakes after games are completely pointless. Mm -hmm. We do not need players and coaches to shake hands with each other after a game ends. I'd in fact, well, we do because we get fights and I enjoy that. But like, I want them to be so mad at each other that they don't, they can't stand to be in the same space as each other. So we don't need handshakes. But at the same time, you shouldn't get rid of something just because there's like two or three incidents right. every right. five years, yeah. right? Like it. And even this wasn't even that big of a and deal. They like, all involved Juwan Juwan Howard. All involved Juwan Howard. But like even this, like Juwan Howard slapped the guy on top of that. I guess the one kid from Michigan was throwing punches too. Like it could have been worse. But like even this still, it wasn't like this was bad. It's not like anything really happened that you can't fix. Like I don't think there should be handshakes, but you shouldn't get rid of them simply because Juwan Howard palmed the guy's head at some point during this. <laughs> Right, which is what he, he was a did. little. He was a little shorter yeah. than Juwan. I mean, th by the way, the my other favorite part about Juwan Howard, aside from him saying we weren't pressing, we were playing pressure five defense, the same thing. My other favorite part of this was when he said, "I felt I had to protect myself." Greg Gard comes up. Greg Gard like could be a, he could be a black stomach. belt for all we know. For all we know, he's like this. He's a UFC fighter. We don't know what kind of background Greg Gard has. This guy might be tough. He's gonna flip him. He down might be tough. He might flip him over his, his yes. He might flip him over his shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what Greg Gard's done in his past? He could be a he tough guy. Felt threatened. We don't know. He that was a pretty hard handshake when he himself. grabbed his wrist. I mean, I, I that's, that, that was a pretty hard. Because the other funny part about him saying he felt he had to protect himself is that when he actually swung his hand he was being held back by two of his assistant coaches like he was no longer Wait, like when he swung his hand to face pan, face right, plant the guy right. or face palm the guy's head right they had been you know separated the coaches right, right. he was no longer like chest to chest with greg Man. he didn't even hit greg guard either he had somebody else like it, <laughs> i really want to know what that guy said someone said something <laughs> so for him, for him to want to like uh face plant somebody or, or palm his head he said something to him i I'm starting to Did think, he? yeah, I'm yes. starting to think Did this he? guy yes. is looking. Yes. I mean, yeah, he probably said, go away. Like, that's probably yes. what they said. Go to your locker room. And they probably said, stop, Jawan. And he was like, nobody tells me to stop. <laughs> stop touching Don't put my your hand. hands on me. Don't put your hands on me. <laughs> oh, so there's Jawan Howard. I told Tom you, I, I told you I'd had no problem oh. with him getting fired. I didn't. I mean, I. Pat Forty immediately tweeted fireable offense. Again, I don't think he should be fired because he hit the guy in the head. I think he should be fired because he's an idiot. Yeah, he doesn't seem to know basic should, defensive be, structure. That should be the headline. All the explanations he gave afterwards implied that Jawan Howard was an idiot. Jawan Howard, that should be the headline? Yes. Dismissed from Michigan because he's an idiot? Yes. Although, if you're Michigan, if you fire him, you say it's because he hit him, so you don't right. have to pay his buyout. But in reality, you're firing him because, like, this guy, he doesn't know what a press is? Well... 
Maybe he should be fired just for that. Right. Like, he shouldn't be fired for anything that happened with guard or hitting the guy in the face. Maybe he should be fired for because you didn't know that was a press, but you're pressing? <laughs> this is an issue. Maybe we're not Maybe we're not that good right now. Do, like, is there... Can you technically say, like, we're not paying the rest of your contract due to gross incompetence? <laughs> I wonder if there's a clause like, in, in, his, in his contract If he doesn't know says, what pressure is? If you don't display enough basketball <laughs> knowledge, we can fire you and not have to pay you. <laughs> If at any point our athletic director knows more about the sport than you, <laughs> you're fired. Fire you. you don't have you're not the coach anymore. That's just the end, end of the road for you. All right. Congratulations to Steve. He won tickets to go to the ACMs or is qualified. Let me correct myself. Qualified. Won a sandwich. He won tickets to go to the ACMs, but he did win a two foot sub from Porta Subs. Uh Robert's going to NASCAR. Uh Sean's going to NASCAR and Matt's going to the Mountain West tournament tomorrow. We have more NASCAR tickets, and we have more Porta subs, two foot subs, and qualification for the ACMs. So we got a lot of stuff we're giving away today, this entire week. Stay tuned; it's going to be a lot of fun. These are great prizes. These are these are really good prizes on the press box. I like this. I mean, I like this. We we aren't great with the NASCAR. Well, we're not great. People still want to go. Yeah, no, no. I've I've been to several NASCAR events. It was awesome. Could not tell you what who won. Could not tell you what was going on. It's a long race. All I know is I paid the I paid the whatever amount of money to listen to someone else yes, talk the in the headset, yes. and I was like, "This is the only way yeah. to do this." I can't remember if it was Kurt or Kyle Busch, but whichever one crashed. And did you guys see the fan immediately react? No. This, so at the Daytona, yeah, yeah, one of the Bushes, I can't remember which one crashed, and there was a fan wearing a, a Bush shirt, right? A Kurt or Kyle okay, Busch had shirt. to be Kurt because Kyle finished top ten. Okay. Okay. They show him like immediately after the crash, and you just you can just read his lips, just expletive, 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 because his entire day was ruined because his, his favorite guy, driver just his crashed. Guy crashed. Oh, it was great. That guy was phenomenal. So NASCAR fans are great too. But we got plenty of NASCAR tickets to give away this week. But there's so been a few uh, handshakes and punches in the head by NASCAR. No, folks. that's the best part is that if you want to talk about fighting these in the guys, stands, these guys get out of a car that goes 200 miles an hour <laughs> in order to get into fist yes. fights no. with each other. No, my favorite it's... thing that NASCAR drivers do is when one guy's been crashed and he thinks somebody else did it, and yes. they throw their helmet at the yes. car as it drives yes. by. <laughs> like they're yes. in a caution, the pace car's yes. leading him around. And he's just waiting on the end of the field with his helmet. And when he throw sees it at the guy. when he sees that mother bleeper, yeah. he's throwing his helmet like that's gonna do something. They're almost like <laughs> they're almost like hockey fights. I thought at that one point, didn't Danica Patrick have to be held back by one of her it's because she was like, I'm gonna go fight that guy. And he's like, that's a really bad idea. <laughs> like, trust me, no one is gonna look good <laughs> based on the outcome. Oh, if you win the fight, you'll look bad. If you lose the fight, everybody's gonna look bad. The in the last five minutes of this show justified why hockey keeps fighting in the sport. <laughs> this is why. Because there's at least one sport where you can be like, yep, yeah, it's perfectly okay to just punch the other guy in the face for a couple of seconds and be good. <laughs> 